0: Right, it's time for some honesty. Not every founder is a whiz when it comes to finances. Sometimes we are too busy, sometimes we've got other priorities... And sometimes, if you are anything like me, sometimes we are just not number people. It's natural, but speaking from personal experience, it can also be really stressful, since knowing where your money's going is so important for any growing business. Pleo, who happened to sponsor this podcast, are the solution that puts all of your spending in one place. Buy what you need with their smart credit cards, which are beautifully compatible with Apple Pay and Google Pay, I must add. Then snap the receipt with your phone instead of losing time to endless expense reports. Every purchase is tracked in the Plio system, so you can get the total picture of your company's finances, which means that there's no need to worry about late payments or surprise credit card bills. Oh, and Plio also now handle invoice processing and payments too. The very best bit, they are offering all She Can, She Did listeners, if you are a new customer that is, your first three months of Plio for free. Just head to plio.io to set up a demo using the link in the show notes. And make sure to mention the She Can, She Did podcast when prompted. Their amazing team are on standby to set you up with the offer, even if you happen to be listening to this episode months after its release. Before we start today's chat, I am so, so excited to reveal that She Can, She Did has now rebranded to Candid, a new kind of networking for more Candid conversations. Though this podcast will be keeping its original name, if you've resonated with our focus on cutting through the overnight success noise on here and want to connect with other women who are craving transparency and meaningful connections too, find out more about the Candid Network and why we're different by visiting meetcandid.com or come and say hello on Instagram. We're now at meetcandid. I'm on standby if you have any questions before you sign up and really do, fingers crossed, look forward to welcoming you on board soon. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to Gemma Waits, the London-based mum of two, VC scout, mentor and founder of All By Mama, the amazing community and marketplace for mothers in their first few years of business. From how Gemma organised her time in the early days given that she was working full time at Disney for the first year of All by Mama's existence and what led her to eventually focus on the marketplace full time. What she's learnt from her multiple investment rounds and what she'd do differently if she were to raise money again in hindsight. How she handles the continuous pressure to up level. Oh my goodness did I resonate with that bit. Not to mention the mum guilt that reared its head during the pandemic. Plus her honest thoughts on what it means to lead a community and the sacrifices that she's had to make in her personal life over the past six years. Gemma has been so, so supportive to me personally in recent months and I really couldn't have enjoyed chatting to her more. This is Gemma's story so far. I mean, we're recording this literally day before bank holiday. Everyone's ready to just switch off. So I do feel like really bad for booking this in now, but I am determined. I feel like we will make this something to end on a high this week. So with that said, are you happy to just let us know who you are, what your business is about? And we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So my name's Gemma. I have a business called All By Mama. I have two boys. I uh, live in South London and I've been running the business for about six years. So All By Mama is a community and marketplace for mothers that want to start or already run businesses. So we're really in, well, I'm really passionate about supporting mothers to start businesses and All By Mama kind of provides a one-stop solution. So we have community, we have support via resources and we have a route to market via the marketplace as well.
0: Amazing. I feel like six years in, in the grand scheme of things, I actually feel like that's quite like, that's a long time. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not a long time in like a lifespan, but like six years in business, is like, you know, your stuff now. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. I still don't feel like that massively, but yeah, it, it is a long time. And I think that
0: has pros and cons. Yeah, no, definitely. Let's go back to the early days then. What was it that inspired you to launch All By Mama? Do you remember, was it like a light bulb thing or was it a series of events? Talk me through like how you came about deciding to launch this. Okay, so it's a little bit of a long story,
1: um, but I'll tell it. So initially, actually, the idea came about when I did some volunteering work and I went to work in a township in South Africa. This was before I had kids and I looked after children while their parents went to work. And one of the days we had a day where we could go and visit the parents and basically they were working in the townships making the most incredible homemade products that they would sell into the shops in Cape Town. So things like, I don't know if anyone listening has been to South Africa, but there's artwork which uses like tin cans and um, really kind of creative stuff. And my initial idea was to take those products, import them into the UK, sell them as a not-for-profit and send profits back. And when I got back, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't get my head around how to do it. Then I got back into work and that idea just, it never went anywhere. Then a couple of years later, I had my first son and I actually never intended to start a business. I always was very career minded and I was actually had that idea in the back of my mind, but my career meant a lot to me. And I used to work marketing, I worked with Disney. I loved my career so much. But after having my first son, I just couldn't make it work. Like the hours were so long, I wasn't seeing him. He was very unsettled. Anyway, for me, it just I like, couldn't make it work. So I thought, like, what can I do? And that's when I thought, okay, well, look, I've had this idea for a business. And then I didn't really have any savings, I had a little bit, and I didn't have any experience in starting a business. So I was like, that is an ambitious idea, and actually one that I still want to go back to in the future. But at the time, with my young son in tow. I thought, how can I just get something like that up and running? And I thought, actually, why don't I do the equivalent of that slightly in the UK? Why don't I start a business that supports creative mothers in the UK as a starting point? And that is kind of basically where it came from. So the idea was really about support. It's always been been about supporting mothers to start a business or run a business. It's always been about that. I've come about it from a kind of weird way. And the thing that changed and made me do it was having my son because it was a lifestyle decision in terms of having a career or trying to build something for myself. And it was just a moment in
0: my life that made me reevaluate what success looked like to me and what I was going to do with my life, basically. Yeah, no. I, and it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, because obviously I don't have kids, but like I've spoken to enough mums now to know that there's such a huge, I listen to Happy Mum, Happy Baby as well. I'm like a religious listener. But like, it's such a huge shift, isn't it? And just looking at the landscape, every article that comes out, you know, being a, a mum in the corporate world is, I mean, being a mum generally is hard, but add the corporate nine to five into it. And it really is, Tough. So, were you in maternity leave or had you just gone back? How old was your son when you decided to go for this?
1: I was on maternity leave when I thought about it, but I did go back to work because A, I needed the money and B, I kind of wasn't really ready to make the leap at that point. And I thought, hold on, maybe I could just make this work. I love my career. And I have got that idea, but I thought maybe I'll do it later on. And then I went back to work. I worked for four days a week for about a year. And after about three months, various things happened, like disastrous nursery situation. My husband traveled kind of two weeks out of the month. So I was the one that had to do all of that. My son was poorly, not anything serious, but often like just picking up bugs and stuff. So I had to pick that up. I applied for flexible working and that was declined. I work in an industry that works very long hours as well. and I kind of just started feeling, I just can't give my all to either of those two things. Mm. so I thought okay I'm going to work on this business And so I did it for about three months in the evenings and at the weekends while I had my job and then I told my boss and she was like okay I get it and you know we're happy to support you just let us know your plans basically which was really amazing um, so essentially I worked full-time for a year and I worked on the business in the evenings at the weekends and then a month after we launched I left my job but I did
0: continue to freelance but I just knew that at that point I had to actually give it a go So in terms of those weeknights and weekends, by the time you left the job was all by mama up and running. I saw that you launched with 40 brands on board, which is amazing. But like, had you secured all of those? Talk me through the kind of baby steps in those initial months that you went through to get off the ground.
1: Yeah, it was up and running when I left. So yeah, you're right. We launched with 40 brands. They all joined the platform for free at this point because we kind of wanted to test their concept. Started off, I am a very methodical person. So I genuinely started off with a business plan, not like a big one, but I just had to get my ideas on paper. I just did that for me. And then I did things like projections, which were wildly inaccurate, I now know. (laughs) And then I actually just thought, how can I see this business come to life? and What do I need to see? And then what does everyone else need to see? So for me, it was like, I need a brand or a logo. So I kind of developed that. Then did social media things, worked out a launch plan, obviously my background's in marketing, so I kind of had the marketing bit kind of sorted. And then we reached out to people that we thought might want to be involved and just said, look, this is our idea. Do you like it? Do you want to come on board for free? And actually one thing that we did, which was really useful, was we took a last minute stand at the handmade fair which is basically an event that is at Hampton Court Palace and it's full of handmade businesses and run by or fronted by Kirsty Alsop and at the time the idea was more around handmade than it was around motherhood because in my head I'd gone to the place where lots of mothers come off maternity leave think I want to start a business and start something creative so that's kind of how I got to that place and anyway we got to the stand we ran it for three days we literally had a table we just stop people as they walk past and said to them, look, this is our idea. Here's a leaflet, which we have got done in like two days. Do you wait. like the idea? Oh, I had my mum helping me. My mum comes to the Mingles. I <laughs> <laughs> think like that. <laughs> just somebody help me. Yeah, so she helped me kindly. And she just retired, so it worked quite well. Yeah. And we just said, are you interested in the concept? If you are, can you just put your, your email down and we'll keep you in touch? And we got like quite a nice sized mailing list really off the back of that. And we had our first probably 40 mostly came from that, the initial people that joined. And we just got an idea of people saying what they did like and what they didn't like about the idea really quickly from those three days. And of course, now it's changed loads from what it was six years ago, but that really helped in the launch.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: what well, didn't they like in early days? And also when you heard that, when you heard that there was like feedback that didn't necessarily go with the vision that you put on that business plan, how did that feel because I always think it's like when you get so excited in those early days and then you hear your first kind of like the cynical comment or a bit of feedback that you actually were really proud of like how did you handle that
1: I think I have always had the mindset and I had this off the back of a conversation with someone a long time ago that you have to just keep iterating and you have to have a creative mindset so what you put out first is probably not going to be what you're going to end with or what's going to be your successful business or whatever you want to call it. And I think, therefore, I just looked at it really subjectively. And I think you still do get hurt when I hear things haven't been good or there's been mistakes or whatever has happened that's not kind of in line with my vision. But I say one of my skills is probably I can emotionally detach myself from that. And I think you have to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're just going to get too upset.
0: Yeah. No, it's such valid advice. So you get the mailing list and that's where the 40 names come from. I read somewhere, I think it was on stalking your Instagram earlier, that you started with a WordPress website and the plugins and stuff. And I can relate to this so much with the platform we're using at the moment. But in terms of all of that, these are the nitty-gritty details. I'm just always, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, the first year was tough. And it's like, well, actually, what did that involve? So, yeah, talk me through that experience and that kind of what the MVP looked like. Okay.
1: So I put all the savings that I had into this business. And Which is? About 15000 Yeah. And I paid someone to build a WordPress website. I knew nothing about this at all six years ago and i have genuinely made some expensive and silly mistakes and i just i did the best i could basically at the time with what i knew so what i did was i tried to research as much as i could about what the best platform was to build a marketplace and basically i got back like a million different answers so i tried to find someone that i could trust and i just ended up going with WordPress because all this research that I had done, a few people had said it would be a good starting point. You know, there were concerns about scale, but I kind of wasn't at that point. I thought, okay, well, hopefully I'll raise some money or I'll be generating some revenue and I'll be able to deal with that in two or three years. But I, I couldn't build it myself. I paid someone to do that. And it was really difficult because the communication between me and the developer, someone who knew nothing... And somebody who obviously knew exactly what they were talking about. But having said that, I found that with tech, sometimes it can be quite subjective. So, you know, there's different ways of doing the same thing. So when you're asked, what way do you want to do it? And you really don't know from place of experience or knowledge, it's quite difficult. But yeah, we ended up basically with a WordPress website as the MVP and it was a good solution. But well, we quickly grew out of it. And when we needed to update it, it was problematic because we had built bespoke parts of it. And it was also, you know, we're a tiny marketplace, but one of the things that I found really hard and I still do is that people say, oh, but on Etsy, I can do X, Y, or Z, or on, you know, and of course, I'm not a billion pound business. I can't compete with that at all. But
0: immediately, sometimes the assumption is, well, I can't do that on, on this. So I'm, I'm just going to walk away. I can relate to that so much. Like there's a, a benefits program that launched last year with three and a half million pounds behind it. And people link it to me. And they're like, have you seen this? Why don't we do this? And it's like, I don't have three and a half million pounds behind me. If I did, maybe ours would look like that. But until then, we're sticking with the MVP. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> okay. So the website's built, 40 brands on board and you go full time. What was that experience like when you stepped away from Disney and suddenly it wasn't just a kind of weekend side hustle thing and actually you had to make it work? I know you said that you were freelancing as well, but it's a bit different, isn't it? Actually stepping away from that corporate career, especially when, in your own words, you were very like on that career ladder. I actually just felt
1: very motivated. Like I am a massively determined, motivated person anyway. And I thought this is a great opportunity. I felt really motivated. It definitely improved my balance with raising my son as well, which was a massive bonus then for me because I didn't work less by the way. I have never worked less than what I've worked in a full-time job ever since the day I had this idea, but it's just doing it on your terms, isn't it? But it felt kind of quite motivating. I didn't really feel that scared at that point because I was still freelancing. So I, and I knew I would have to do that because I knew that I can pay myself straight away. But I thought this is an opportunity and I really want to just grab it.
0: Yeah, definitely. How quickly did it pick up? You know, I know you went on to raise. Did the I always think there's a kind of like a turning point with businesses and maybe not. But I assume that when the funding came on board, you could really amplify across the board. But do you remember like a shift or what was it that meant that you kind of said to yourself, "Okay, I'm ready to raise now? I think actually
1: what made me raise was that I needed the money, yeah. simply needed the money because I couldn't build, the website was breaking at the seams in terms of the WordPress side of it and the plugins that we were using. And I, I think, yeah, you reach a certain point. It's really hard to put your finger on what that is. Part of me thinks it's just an up level and you go in your head, right, okay, how do I shift this to the next gear? And I'm still massively learning in this Like, you know, I kind of soaking up what everyone says around this and all the advice that's out there around this. And I think part of it is an up level, like, right, what's the shift next for me to grow this to the next level? And also in terms of investment, I think there has to be a need for the money or you've got a tech product that has the possibility to scale very quickly. So, yeah, I think for me, I really needed to rebuild the marketplace because otherwise I couldn't really run the business.
0: Yeah, definitely. And talk me through that process then, because I'm imagining, you know, first business, you've not raised money before, and it's like a minefield, right? So where did you know where to start? Or how did you approach that whole concept?
1: So this has been a big learning curve and the things that have helped me is the first thing is upskill. So I did accelerated programs. I learned a lot through those. And I know some people think, oh, you know, you end up going to an accelerated program. It takes a lot of your time. It takes your eye off the ball of what you're actually doing. But I don't agree with that at all. For the ones that I've been part of, they've been, for me, really, really beneficial in terms of skill and knowledge. And which ones have they? First of all, I did the, there was one called Entrepreneurial Spark, which is now owned by Netwest, but it wasn't when I did it. And the reason that was good for me at the time was because I knew nothing. I had no networks. I didn't even know anyone else that really ran a business, maybe one or two people, but no network. I had no confidence as well. You know, I really just needed to surround myself with other people doing what I was doing and to start to understand things like investment and running a business. So that was really good. And I had a brilliant mentor called Jody, who I still work with sometimes now. And she just really built my confidence and really helped me to understand kind of that world. And then I did actually invest in a coach when I did my crowdfunding rounds. I actually did a friends and family round first where I raised 20k, which was a really small amount. And then I did a crowdfunding rounds, and I raised 75K and I got a coach for four months for that because, again, I didn't know anything about crowdfunding. I didn't know anything about investment. I didn't know what a cap table was. I didn't know anything. So I thought I need to learn this properly. So, yeah, I took the decision to invest in someone
0: for four months to help me with that. And that's how, how I learned. I think... Crowdfunding, I've heard so many like horror not horror stories, but it's definitely not as I think there's an assumption until you get into it that you literally put your business up there, you do a fancy video and then all this money comes rolling in. And actually it's work, right? It's a whole lot of work and that you need to kind of keep that momentum. So in hindsight, is there anything you'd do differently or what did the whole process teach you? I think in hindsight, I probably would actually have raised angel investment first. So I raised a small amount of friends
1: and family, which really helped me just because I ran out of savings really early on. And very fortunately, had someone in like an extended network that said, look, I really like the vision and I, I believe in you. And that money kind of kept me going up until the crowdfunding rounds, And then... The crowdfunding you're right is massively massively hard work and you also I wrote a post on Instagram you really need to be able to bring money to the pot so you know you're kind of doing the investment work outside of it and you know hopefully you can raise more off the back of the platform but thinking about it probably we were potentially a bit early for crowdfunding when I did it and in hindsight probably should have done an angel round first but You know, when you look back, there's a hell of a load of things I'll do differently. And I suppose that's what
0: got me to where I am now. The lessons learned, our lessons learned. Hindsight's clever like that, isn't it? it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it really is a learning process. What did you do or what difference did that money make? Because I think it's like, again, like until you have investment, I'm just imagining here, you put all this hope on getting that money. And when I get to this level, that's when it will change. When I get here, that's when it will change. What was it like when you actually got, you know, 75 K's in the bank? Like, where do you start with that? Like that's now on you to kind of use to grow this business, to make sure that your investors are happy. Like, what did that feel like?
1: I think, again, I felt motivated, slightly nervous but motivated. I think the thing with raising is, and something that I have learned that I didn't learn initially, is that you need to raise enough money to do what you need to do and hit your targets. Because if you don't, it's then very hard to raise again, or you haven't hit your targets. So actually, yeah, it's a big consideration to factor in. You need to raise enough. So I knew that I was going to spend that money on building a marketplace. So the marketplace that we've got is bespoke build. it's very automated. It does great stuff like sellers can communicate with shoppers. You know, it's still not a million pound tech product, but it's good. So the money I knew would be spent on that and it was what it was spent on. And it gave me a little bit of opportunity to test some marketing strategies as well, which was great. However, it also comes with a perception that it's going to be like a life-changing, massive, right? The business has got investment now, right? This business should be able to do X, Y, and Z. But actually, there's a difference between getting 75K investment versus like, you know, getting a million plus investment. And I don't think that's something that's necessarily massively understood or why would it be, you know, as a consumer? So, yeah, I think the downside of that was the kind of perception that all of a sudden we would be able to do a million and one things. And we didn't,
0: 75K is not really that much. So, yeah. How do you handle that then? Is this coming from customers or the business owners that are on there? Yeah. How do you navigate those conversations? I think actually it's just about honesty. Yeah. I
1: think you need to bring people on the journey with you. And that's something that I've actually learned and I didn't do right at the start. That's one of the things that I not regret, but I would change is that, yeah, especially if you want to build a community, you know, you have to have a really authentic, honest, open conversation. People want to come along with you. So I think it's about open and honest communication. And that was definitely something I could have
0: done better. Yeah, definitely. I was actually reading a really interesting article. Like for me, with she can she did that honesty piece has like been since day one. Like the fact that there's so much pressure on business owners to like it just seems so glossy, and actually it's bloody hard work behind the scenes. But it's really interesting that this article is basically saying like people are kind of starting to talk about failures more and more, or setbacks. I should say not failures, but it's always in hindsight. And actually talking about them in the moment, it's different because then it's suddenly not as it's an exciting story to tell when you've had a setback and then you have the outcome to say, but I got through it. And actually for so many business owners, setbacks are happening all the time. It's like this pressure to turn it into the next thing when actually you could be having a really tough time or something has gone wrong with a website and actually just communicating that in real time is probably the right thing to do, right? But it can feel really daunting when you haven't yet worked out how you're going to sort it.
1: Yeah, I think it takes a, a lot of courage and strength. I mean, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. And I think that part of that is because this perception around brand trust. And if you admit that something's not going right or you've made a mistake, you know, is that going to damage your brand trust? Are you going to lose customers off the back of that? Are people are going to lose just generally faith in what you're doing. And also, you know, we don't see that being modelled by bigger, more successful businesses. So then we think, well, if I do that, maybe that's the wrong thing to do because, you know, X, Y, Z hasn't done that or isn't doing that. So, yeah, I think it is. If you have a community behind your business, though, I think it is a good thing to do. And it takes a lot of courage,
2: I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I love that.
2: Thank you to Plio for handing over your ad space to us. As a female business owner, the landscape is disproportionately challenging. The facts are clear, but after a decade of growing a successful product business, I've experienced this firsthand and I know that the business and life that you're working so hard to create is totally possible. If you're the creative owner of a product business, whether you're looking to make your first sales or you're already full-time creative, I'm here to empower you to keep going through the overwhelm and the self-doubt and take immediate actions that feel so exciting and 100% right for you. These are empowered actions and accountability to keep you on track. The jam programs are one-to-one coaching that gets you clear and confident to scale sustainably. I'm Hannah Stacey Coaching and you can find me on Instagram at I underscore soulfully sourced.
0: I mean they've kind of weaved their way in as they tend to do but I'm really interested in what you have found over the past six years to be the hardest part of this journey and second question is there a day or a few days that really stand out where it's been like I don't know if I can do this or this is like really tested you?
1: There is one day that stands out in my mind that I'm going to start with which is it's part of the investor process that I've been through. And I went to meet this investor and we we're only like three years old at the time. Well, I say only, we've been going for three years. And I kind of went to meet him and told him about the business. And he said, look, if you haven't made a success of it now, you never will. And that just, I just really, really like got to me and took me back. And I still go back to it now, like on my down days. So, yeah, you know, there has been days like that along the way where, you know, someone has said something to me or I've had an experience where I've
0: thought, am I doing the right thing by running this business? I just got goosebumps. I'm so angry at that person. <laughs> I just like I How dare you say that? I mean, that's super. How do you pick yourself up from that?
1: Yeah. I don't, what was I, that, your response? <laughs> I think I was just shocked at the time. I don't think I responded very well. Well, I obviously knew there was no kind of point in carrying on that conversation, but I didn't really have anything to say. Like now I probably would say, you know, X, Y, Z example, or, you know, I'd probably have a better response, but I didn't at the time. And I was really shocked and I did seriously doubt myself. And I think it was just finding examples of where that's not true and also talking to mentors that picked
0: me back up from it. I always think like it's stories like that that make me Like whenever someone asks me about advice and stuff, I always, 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 before you think about anything to do with like marketing or branding or funding or whatever, it's always make sure you've got a certain group of people around you that you trust implicitly. So that on those days, they literally say to you, not worried at all. I'm rooting for you. You've got this because there will always be people out there. That aren't rooting for you to win. And it's a kind of like you just have to get that barrier up. And like you said earlier, like detaching yourself from it. It's like, okay, that's his opinion. Let me prove him wrong. Like, but it's so hard to do in the moment. So hard. Yeah.
1: And I agree with you. And one of the things that I did when I did I did angel round of investment, I brought two non-execs on. And I have another mentor that I've had from the start of this, basically. And that's made just a massive difference, not only in terms of kind of advice, but also just that support. And genuinely have a really good relationship with them and they are the people that I can now go to to say what do you think about this or you know and I will get an honest opinion back which is also really important. Yeah definitely other challenges? Um, okay so definite challenge for me has been salary. Yeah so it came off the back of a corporate career I was doing really well for where I was at that point in my life I never before kind of starting the business or before having kids really thought, okay, I'm going to be a business owner when I get, so, you know, I'd always thought of myself on this career trajectory and that's obviously not happened now I'm in my own business and I'm still working my way through that. And it is a challenge because there are days where you think, okay, well, I know I could go back in, you know, and get X, Y, Z job and I can work my way up. Mm-hmm. And I think that thing is
0: really hard to get your head around or it has been for me anyway. Oh my God, I can relate to this so much. I was talking to another lady the other day that she's amazing, she's got a beauty brand. And she was saying like, it's that difference between are you running a business or a really expensive hobby when it takes, especially those first few years. And like last year, literally everything, I paid myself absolutely pittance. And it wasn't profit making last year. It went up the first two years. And then last year was just like, everything went into getting this thing off the ground. And it was like, you just have to be like, I constant not constantly but there's days where I'm like if I was still in my corporate job I'd be earning about this right now and it's kind of like whew, like you just have to dig deep don't you and it's so so hard and I think as well I don't know about you but just that lifestyle difference as well like when you're in a corporate job and it's paying well like you just don't think twice about you know nipping into Zara and buying something new or like do you know what I mean it's just yeah. everything changes <laughs> yeah totally exactly that
1: it is a big shift and I think it's something that we need to talk about as well if we're kind of talking about you know my whole business is about supporting mothers to start a business so I need to be honest about that if they're taking
0: that step yeah and I think we need to talk about it yeah I have to talk about it honestly how did you approach like taking a salary from it was it from day one or was it you know how did you go about it basically
1: so I've learned a little bit about this over my experience and because I was freelancing for at least the first year of running it, probably a bit longer. So that was probably a good thing because obviously I had an income, but a slightly bad thing because I thought I'm not going to take anything out of the business and it was never really my priority. So I'm very impact driven and I think a lot of entrepreneurs or certainly female entrepreneurs are quite impact driven. It was all about what's the impact that I'm having. And then salary was always like a secondary thing. And, you know, I suppose when you've got a bigger vision as well and a mission for your brand and you think, right, I'm going to grow it to X, Y, Z, however that happens, I'm going to make it happen. You're thinking of the end goal. So you're not thinking of the right, I need to pay myself X, Y, Z this month, if you're doing something like freelancing alongside. So I definitely didn't prioritize that at all for the first couple of years. And then my mentor said, no. And I started to pay myself through my business as PAYE. I've done that ever since.
0: Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's a learning curve, right? And you just kind of have to (laughs) muddle your way through. But I definitely think in hindsight, I would sort all of that out. Like I was so clueless in the beginning. Like I was a sole trader. And even when I switched over to being a limited company, it took me like four or five months to open a business account. And then my accountant was like, what? You should have had that from day one. And honestly, I just fumbled my way through. But anyway, all sorted. What has the reaction been from in terms of, have you seen any relationships evolve for the better or worse as your business has grown, taken up time, et cetera, et cetera?
1: I think it's been a positive relationship with my kids. And I say that because I do very much work on my own terms, obviously. And that has enabled me to do things I couldn't do before, like the school run, which is not something I massively enjoy, by the way. (laughs) But just being there, being present, doing stuff like that, you know, and spending those kind of half an hour, 45 minutes with them after school. And yeah, I think it's had a positive impact. And also my children are seeing me work very visibly. And my son said to me the other day, you work all the time, mummy. And I thought, that's no, you see me work. If I was out of the house from nine to five or longer, you probably wouldn't think I worked all the time. Because when I was at home, I would be more, I'd be playing. But actually, you're seeing me do that. And I think that's a really positive thing. Yeah, and I think in terms of other relationships, it definitely puts pressure on personal relationships with my husband and friendships because your time is taken up. And it's not even that your time is taken up like because it's your work. It's more that you know you have this mission and this vision and I am not close to achieving what my end vision or mission is. So I really want to spend my time doing it. So you make a choice like to spend your time in the evenings doing it. Versus sitting down watching TV or having a nice meal or whatever it is that you would be doing. And I think, yeah, I think that puts pressure on a relationship,
0: on all relationships. Yeah, it comes up so much. I think someone I was on a call with the other day, he has done this documentary on girls' education in India. And it's super, super fascinating. And he basically said that one of the problems for girls out there is that when they kind of get a glimpse of what's out there, they he used the phrase empowered into isolation like he said it and I was like oh, I couldn't relate to that so much in terms of that mission piece like you were saying you start seeing the problem everywhere you start seeing how big it is you start seeing the possibilities and it's like suddenly you feel very lonely but there's so much more we need to be doing how do I get that out there and I yeah I can it's all encompassing sometimes isn't it you have to be quite strict yeah absolutely
1: yeah it's so true and you have to be careful you're not constantly talking about it yeah I, I do <laughs> Yeah, because you do, you, once you're so in on a mission, and I'm very in on the mission of the motherhood penalty and mothers and work and that kind of relationship, motherhood and work. Yeah, you know, you can start to become a bit, don't know, preachy or boring, <laughs> or if you're talking about it,
0: all the time outside of, you know, your kind of community. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can just relate so much. Let's talk about that responsibility then, because obviously the community side of All My Mama as well. How, and like you said, there's so much in the motherhood space that's skewed and needs addressing. What's your experience been like, like leading a community like that? Because there's a responsibility that comes with stepping up and running a community, right? For any woman, but specifically for mums. Like, how have you found that?
1: I think so. When the business started, the community was the element that was missing. So Mm -hmm. we launched as the marketplace. And actually, the reason that we only recently, quite recently, added a community was because that was clearly missing yeah and i think it's about authenticity again you know and for me it's about i am a very private person i'm not a sharer at all and the whole concept of social media makes me <laughs> kind of <laughs> nervous but i think it's about learning to actually be honest and genuine and not learning to be genuine but learning to be honest and open and authentic and i think that really that's what you have to be if you're going to be you know a leader of a community and you're around a certain topic especially around motherhood and work I think I feel like I have to really
0: go about it very honestly. Mm. Does he like because again there's a pressure to Not pressure, but there is a responsibility if you're running a community like that to kind of tackle these topics head on. You know, if you're saying you're supporting mothers, you only have to look at like the penalties of the past year and see that like it's impacted mums. It's just so mad when you see like all the different ways it has. And then how does that sit with you if you are naturally private? To kind of speak and but I saw that you were in an article the impossible choice of being a working mum in lockdown speaking about it. Is it easier when you're talking on behalf of the community as opposed to talking on behalf of you? I, I guess.
1: Yeah I think I've more come to terms with talking on behalf of me when it's in relation to that topic and the impact that has. But yeah, I do feel again comfortable talking about it uh, from the point of the view of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah I think it's hard to not sometimes get lost in the impact side of it and there is like some stuff that i'm working on at the moment and the more you kind of get into it the more you actually right i want to focus all my attention on making a
0: positive social change in this area and then you're like oh my god i run a business <laughs> so yeah 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 100%. i feel like the past few months i've gone one way and now like gearing up for the the rebound that's coming it's quite funny like it is it's a case of like i've got to make this business work as well i can't just be constantly like it's basically getting that balance isn't it yeah Okay, in terms of when you look back, what has this business taught you about you as a person?
1: It's taught me, I guess, about what I value a bit more. And it's also taught me about the importance of mindset. I've learned a lot about that. It's not really something I thought about in my corporate career, just didn't. And I've really needed that when running the business. But yeah, it's really taught me to also be true to myself, my vision, my mission, that it has a place, that it is important and kind of to have that element of confidence.
0: Mm. You said earlier about that whole redefining success piece when you step back from corporate, given what you've just said, you know, what does success look like now if you were to define it for you?
1: Yeah, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Keep changing so much for me. But really, motherhood definitely redefined what success looked like to me. And that was, I think I had this thing that was always there that wasn't really just present before about like the broader societal impact of my actions. or well, not my actions but of my of my business, I suppose. And I think motherhood really made me think about how I want to be spending my time and I think other people kind of come to that conclusion before whether they're mothers or not but for me I just hadn't really come to that how do I actually want to spend my time I was just kind of just going so it's made me definitely define how I spend my time differently you know what I define as being successful I suppose happy healthy and doing something that's for me impact led
0: Mm. has COVID helped to shape that as well To be honest, not really. (laughs) Fair enough. Moving swiftly on. (laughs) Homeschooling helps me with (laughs) nothing. Yeah, I mean, well, let's quickly touch on that then, like the experience of running the business in lockdown.
1: Yeah, that was horrible. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I I mean, I think others maybe dealt with it better than I did. I found it so hard. So I've got a four and eight-year-old, I was trying to teach my four-year-old to read and write, which are actual real skills. You know, obviously teachers train and they're incredible. That's not a skill that I have. And I found it really hard. And then my eldest son still needed help with his learning. And my children emotionally needed a lot of support. I found that mum guilt that I don't really have in the normal world really come to the surface. I just felt so guilty if I was working that I should be with them they're falling behind in their education I need to make sure that they're happy they're emotionally okay at
0: any time I would work I found that really hard so I think that's why I struggled so much Hmm. I mean how are you dealing with that it's just everything I've seen read heard over the past year from mums is that that is just across the board like the biggest challenge
1: it's definitely set me back in my progress definitely I had to being more reactive and proactive over the last year. I had to prioritize my children, but also my business as well, so that I could see it through the other side. And I've been really consciously taking time for myself, which again is like something that I've never really done. i have so committed to being a good mom to my children and to running my business and this vision and mission that I have that kind of any time for myself was always a nice to have before COVID. But since what we've just been through over the last year, I really consciously now take time for myself every single day. And that is really, I think it's been a saving grace. What does it look like? Exercise, bath, walk. Yeah, those things, basically. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> or reading. Yeah. And actually, one thing that I do is I try to do something that's not related to work or children. So I'll read a little bit about reading about astronomy. I used to do palm reading before I had my kids, like all that kind of stuff. So I pick up that book, like something that's not related to my kids or my work I try to just lose myself in it for like half an hour even just that amount of time and such a tiny amount of time but it does make a difference to me
0: yeah absolutely I bought my goddaughter a pack of palm reading cards and oh. she literally loves them oh <laughs> my like a little mystical like I love all that stuff <laughs> yeah no definitely in terms of looking back then rounding this up Gemma like what are you most proud of over the past six years and what are you most proud of over the past 12 months?
1: I think over the past six years, it has to be slowly but surely building the brand. And I think also just the learning that I have been through. And I think that is actually something to be proud of because I can see how if I hadn't taken this route, My personal development, my growth, all the things that I've upskilled in wouldn't have happened. And actually, I think that is something to be proud of. It's been a hell of a learning curve. And I'm proud of the community as well. You know, we have a genuinely lovely community and I'm really proud of that. So over the last year, I'm actually just proud of still having my business, you know, running a community. And I don't think you need to be proud if you haven't. But, you know, I've seen people that have had really challenging times with their businesses And it has been challenging for our business
0: as well. And yeah, I'm just proud that I'm kind of here, I suppose. Honestly, that though, like I think there's just so much in the media about like all of these incredible stories to come out of the pandemic. And they're so incredible, but literally just surviving this pandemic as from a business point of view, just getting by and still like just finding the nerve to hold on and push through it that's literally no mean feat like it is something to be so proud of because this is just I think we're so easy to like classic Brits you just kind of grit your teeth and get on with it but actually it's been such a tough year and it's like yeah just taking the time to just acknowledge that right
1: absolutely yeah and I actually was giving myself quite a hard time like why am I finding this so hard why can't I just accept it and deal with it And actually, you know, I needed to accept that I'm finding it hard because it's hard. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how are you supposed to know how to deal with something that you haven't dealt with before? And yeah, I definitely had to spend time acknowledging that and accepting that.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay, I always end with some statements, Gemma. So I will start and I'd like you to finish them, please. Being my own boss means? Flexibility to be with my kids. Yeah. When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to? Focus on your mission. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am. I would say that I am approachable. Yep. And if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself.
1: I would tell myself to read The Lean Startup.
0: I haven't read it. It's really good. Yeah, I have heard good things. I'm really bad. People tell me to read stuff, and I'll, I need to do it in my own time. Like, and it would always be like five years done. Oh yeah. Have <laughs> you got Blinkit? <laughs> The app, so it distills books into 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, I need to get that. Yeah. Links it. How have I not heard of that? No, sorry, Blinkist. 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 Yeah,
1: so it'll distill a book into 15 minutes in like either readable segments or listenable segments. Oh my gosh, that would be a game changer. People send me book recommendations all the time and I'm like Yeah, so you can't read them all yeah, like, yeah it's just good because it makes you think i don't need to spend money on this i just need to keep iterating on
0: my mvp and then find the kind of product market fit and actually i didn't do that straight away yeah definitely i feel like we're in the process of that and it's like never comfortable because you just want the mvp to work right you just want to just launch and it all be perfect but it's like oh game on like let's try again but very lastly then Gemma, i want my legacy to be that
1: that i've had a positive social impact in helping mothers to run businesses
0: think you're doing that it's really good thank you so much honestly I loved that one really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me I'm so grateful Thank you so much to Pleo once again for sponsoring this episode and for going that extra bit further to support female business owners by handing over the mic to our amazing members during this episode's ad space. As one of their 15,000 customers, I know full well we're in safe hands with this one. It really is a game changer for how we manage expenses. So I highly recommend taking advantage of their special offer for She Can, She Did listeners and seeing for yourself what all the fuss is about. Get your first three months free by heading to to pleo.io now and make sure to mention the she can she did podcast on your demo the link's in the show notes now i cannot wait to hear what you think Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you happen to enjoy it, please do feel free to subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc, etc. I'm sure you know how it works by now, but it really does help to give the series a little boost. And I, for one, would be so unbelievably grateful. For now, though, have a lovely day and please do keep a lookout for next week's episode.